Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas, and today we are visiting with our friends from Camp Ripley. With us today, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Rankin, the battalion commander for the 2nd Battalion, 135th Infantry, and also Tony Housie, who is Camp Ripley in Camp Ripley Public Affairs. Gentlemen, welcome back to Community Focus. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. Um, Colonel Rankin, the last time we talked to you was just before you were deployed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think it was last June. Uh, I had a chance to call in from Camp Ripley uh, right before we headed off to Texas and then off to Africa. Wow. We'll, we'll talk just a little bit about that. But for our listeners, if you will, re- remind them uh, a little bit about the uh, 2nd Battalion, 135th Infantry and uh, talk a little bit about yourself, too, and how you got involved in the military. Let's start with the uh, 135th. So the 135th Infantry is headquartered on Mankato, Minnesota, and it's got units in uh, Winona, Rochester, Owatonna, West St. Paul, uh, Faribault, and Austin, and Albert Lee. And uh, what's interesting about uh, the 135th Infantry, uh, the 2nd Battalion 135th Infantry Regiment is uh, it takes its lineage all the way back to the first Minnesota Volunteer Infantry. Uh, it just happened to be the, at the time, uh, the governor of Minnesota happened to be in Washington, D.C. The, uh, Civil War had broken out and our governor had, uh, basically dedicated the first thousand soldiers to the Union, uh, from Minnesota. And that, that is what is currently today, uh, two of the 135 Infantry, which is, uh, formerly known as the first Minnesota Volunteer Infantry. Uh, and, and the distinction that they have, uh, my unit, uh, is if you've ever been to Gettysburg back in 1863, uh, there was a charge on that particular day. Um, the Union was, uh, there was a break in the Union lines. Uh, the general at the time came up to the Minnesota commander, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Colville, and asked him uh, if his soldiers could plug that line. Uh, and at the time, they only had 262 soldiers, and he answered to the last man. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, even throughout history, it's the most deadly engagement uh, of U.S. forces because at the end of the day, there were only 47 that survived that that charge. So, wow, that's kind of the history of our regiment. That's some pretty rich history. Uh, yes, definitely. When you, uh, if you ever get a chance uh, down the Mankato Armory, there's a number of soldiers uh, whose pictures are on the wall, and a number of Medal of Honor recipients. Uh, not just from the Civil War, but throughout the history of our regiment. And they've answered the call in, in multiple campaigns and just like recently in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, the Balkans. Uh, so it's a, and, 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 um, World War II and World War I, uh, and, and very involved. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, uh, Colonel Rankin, can you, uh, give us a little background on yourself? Uh, if I remember right from last year, you're originally from Little Falls, right? I am. I am a 1993 graduate of Little Falls High School. Uh, I listed in the Army National Guard as a private back in 1994. It's hard to believe. Wow. Uh, I just hit 27 years here in March. Uh, I grew up on a family farm right on the Crowing County, Morrison County line. Um, I graduated, like I said, in 93, went to the University of Minnesota. Uh, I was a teacher. Uh, I taught in, you know, Litchfield. I was principal in Mora. And, uh, most recent, I'm currently the superintendent of Minnewaska area schools, which is just south of Alexandria, but I was also the principal at Pequot Alex High School for eight years. So, wow. um, I'm married, I have four kids. So it was, you know, deployments are tough. I have a, a 17, a 12, a 10 and eight year old girls. My oldest is a boy. 
And uh, my wife, Rebecca, was a pharmacy, a pharmacist and worked at uh, Super Value Drug uh, uh, for a couple of years while we lived in Pequot. Yeah. Now, Lieutenant Colonel, you, uh, when we talked last, I believe you were getting ready to go to the Horn of Africa. Is that what I remember, right? That is, that is correct. Uh, we're the first large, large unit, uh, deployed to the Horn of Africa. Uh, we were called Task Force Bayonet, um, because, uh, obviously from Gettysburg, uh, we're, our call sign is, um, the bayonet because we fix bayonets. And so that's kind of the rich history. Um, and so our task force was called Task Force Bayonet. Our mission was to the Horn of Africa. And people, if you're not aware, it's on the far eastern, it's, uh, far eastern part of Africa. Uh, and the Horn of Africa is made up of the countries we were in was Djibouti, Somalia, and Kenya. And, uh, we provided, uh, force protection, theater security for, uh, uh, AFRICOM command. And also we provided the East African Response Force. And what that really means is that I, myself and a group of about 150 soldiers were, were, were required to go anywhere in Africa within six hours, uh, notice because there's always a little bit of, uh, uh, just a lot of chaos in Africa, uh, throughout our 11 month deployment. It was, there was always some interesting times. Yeah, we, um, of course, in the news, we'll see these stories. There's a lot of rebel groups. It seems to be very unstable over there. Uh, definitely. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things about Africa is, you know, it's just the haves and the have-nots are great. Uh, I would say my experience, I've been deployed to uh, the Balkans and Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, I've never been in an area of my life that I've seen that level of poverty. Mm. Uh, and so definitely the haves and the have nots. And I mean, from simple things like food and water, uh, to shelter, um, it seems like the strong rule. And that allows, uh, when you get foreign investment, there allows to be some corruption and that just makes it very difficult. And, uh, while we were there, there was, uh, droughts, um, there were a locust infestation. So there are a lot of challenges just on the continent of Africa. Um, and then that, that causes, you know, unfortunately some instability, uh, yeah. A lot of great people, um, just a real tough situation. And let's not forget, while all that was happening, there's a global pandemic going on as well. Yeah, you know, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, when we went and did our, our reconnaissance of uh, Djibouti, we were actually uh, there in March, and that's when COVID broke out. And we actually caught the last flight before Europe closed down. Um, and then, you know, obviously, uh, last spring was very difficult as we started the process of, you know, managing and mitigating COVID risk. And then uh, obviously throughout our deployment, we kind of dealt with that. Uh, we have just shy of a thousand soldiers and I'm happy to report that we, you know, we had less than, you know, less than half of 1% infection rate. Soldiers did a lot of uh, good stuff uh, to try to protect themselves. More importantly, you want to make sure you don't bring COVID to a third world country because their, their medical facilities are not prepared to handle that. So that was definitely a challenge. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think a lot of our soldiers forward and most importantly, our families back here, you know, we kind of got through it and we continue to get through it. Now talk about that support because that's tough. As you talked about, you've got a family, you've got kids. Uh, Does the military offer support to those that are deployed on an operation like this? Uh, Yeah. I mean, so one, one interesting thing about this mission is we have a lot of partners, the French uh, that we work with and then, uh, other countries that we partner with, you know, some Germans and, and different branches of active duty and reserve. And I think our National Guard community does a phenomenal job 
Uh, the BL, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon. I mean, you should have seen last year during Christmas the number of care packages and gifts being sent to soldiers. And uh, that's what we feel forward. But uh, all the events that happen back home to make sure our families are taking care of back here. Neighbors pulling out, uh, helping blow snow, uh, helping our families get through it. So the support that the, the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon and the family readiness groups, which every unit has across the state of Minnesota, um, was exceptional and helped all of our families, especially uh, a lot of people would think that the Army is, I mean, I've been very busy. This is my fourth deployment, but I'm I'm, I'm one of the older guys. So I'm, I think I'm the fifth oldest guy in our battalion of a thousand. I'm only 46. Hmm. I have a lot of young soldiers. So 70% of our soldiers had never been deployed before. Wow. And uh, that can be really challenging, especially when they're young. You know, a lot of them are, you know, 18 to 25 year olds. They might have a uh, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, two or a newborn, or a couple young kids, a new marriage. Um, getting through that can be very tough. So I, I can't thank the the community and the people back here in Minnesota that took care of all of our families. That's great to hear. And uh, I know the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon program, that is just a phenomenal program. So um, Absolutely. Uh, I would just say, you know, for all the community work, I believe, like, the I know the Brainerd, uh, Pequot, uh, just because I live in that area, Little Falls are big, uh, beyond the Yellow Ribbon supporters. And I think for a lot of families, you know, when you uh, when you see getting people getting deployed, I think if you ever want to support people, uh, that's a great organization to get involved with. Very good. So your mission over there, um, you're partnering with other countries. You go for 11 months, you come back because not necessarily the mission is over, but that's your tour. And does another group take over there for you when when you come back? Yeah, so what it worked out is uh, there was a unit that was from Oregon and New Mexico that we replaced back on on August 5th. And then you do, uh, the way these deployments work these days is you go overseas for nine months. So I know the Brainerd unit, I just saw them. Uh, my sister unit out of the 194 uh, Armor out of Brainerd and all of us subordinate units just got to Kuwait. Uh, you basically, a ticker starts as soon as you get the majority of people on the ground. You go 270 days. Uh, you do your nine months and then a unit is already preparing. So the way the army works is they try to st stabilize it. So it's predictable for families. So, you know, for my unit, they shouldn't anticipate that they're not going to get deployed for five more years. Uh, and so that allows for families to be, you know, planned accordingly. So when we left a unit from, uh, Connecticut replaced us, uh, and, 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 uh, the, the, the unit that replaced them is coming from West Virginia and they already know. So they're already beginning to train uh, and they'll replace them next February. So, it's kind of a constant rotation. The mission in Africa is, is spread out. There's three three distinct pieces. Uh, we were in Somalia. We were in Djibouti. Uh, we were also, like I said, the East Af African Response Force. There's a lot of contingency bases that support operations to basically defeat terrorism, but also build our partners. So we worked with the Somalian Army, the Djiboutian Army, the Ugandans, the Kenyans. Um, and then my unit specifically was spread across from we had a base down in Kenya that we worked at, uh, and, uh, our Air Force partners, there's an Air Force base down there. We secured it, uh, made sure, uh, we worked with our partners. And then we did the same thing in Somalia and Djibouti. Uh, and then of course, uh, you know, when you have a thousand people, there are people turning wrenches, uh, you know, uh, fixing vehicles. There are people, uh, working on your payroll. There's people working on all kinds of different things. So it's, it's like a little community uh, to make this all work. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, that stability that you help provide in these troubled parts of the globe, it's very important, though, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, I, it's like anywhere else. 
Uh, unfortunately, sometimes you turn the news on and news is sometimes uh, the majority of negative things that are going on in the world. Fact is, there's great people. I met Jabushans that work terribly hard for their families to just make it a little better for their kids. Uh, Kenyans that, uh, you know, right now, uh, it's springtime. There's a lot of planting going on. I'm sure there's farmers in the fields today. Uh, the same thing in Kenya. They're doing the exact same thing. They're trying to, you know, make a living for their families and, uh, providing that stability just so they can continue to have a safe environment for their kids to grow up in is, is critically important and I think the critical thing about Africa is that the partners we created, uh, the, like I mentioned, the Ugandans, the Djiboutians, even the Somalians, the Somali National Army is working hard. Um, it's just that uh, this, some of these things are hard for people to grasp because this has been going on for over 100 years. Yeah. There's just a lot of tensions. Uh, it'd be no different than, you know, high school rivalries. When I was a Pequot, uh, Pequot and Crosby basketball, boy, you better get there early. You're not going to get a seat. <laughs> exactly. Not just... Now you take that to the nth degree. Some of these people just don't like each other, uh, different tribes. Uh, they're not playing basketball. They're, they're warring with each other all the time. Uh, it can be simple things over uh, water rights. Uh, and I'll come back to what I said. When resources are really limited, uh, it causes a lot of fighting. Just like my kids and, the, and who wants the green crayon? There's only one. <laughs> you better break it in half because they're going to be fighting over that crayon all day. Uh, and the same scale it happens in Africa. So. Uh, our mission, I think, was really important to make sure we provide that stability. And there's a lot of partners there. Uh, we work with the Brits, like I said, the French, um, our, our, our partners in different state department, the embassies, all working uh, to, to take these very fragile governments to, to give them a boost to make sure that uh, there's some stability in the region. I just wanted to say, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Rankin, uh, I'm impressed with how uh, through all the uh, strife that is taking place in those countries, you were still able to focus on the people that live there. And that's really what it's all about, isn't it? You know, Ken, I, I, I've been deployed to lots of different places. And what it all comes down to, uh, if you sit down, have a cup of coffee, and you talk to people across this planet, there's a lot of great people. And uh, there's some very small minority that just isn't happy. Uh, they exist in our, you know, down here where I live now, and they deli- across the world. But in general, there's some great people, and all they really need is a little help. And if you can just give them a little help, uh, they don't need you to do everything for them. Just give them a little boost. Uh, and, and I think it makes for a great friendship and great partnership. And, you know, I'm pretty proud that we got a chance to serve. Well said. Lieutenant Colonel Charles Rankin, thank you so much for your service, and uh, thanks for being here today. Before you go, we want to just check in with uh, Tony Housie real quick. Uh, Tony, busy spring coming up here at Camp Ripley? Yeah, very busy spring. Um, you know, we're already off to a really uh, good start, a really big boost. Uh, we have a lot of out-of-state units that are coming on to Camp Ripley for training. Uh, they're taking advantage of the uh, of the opportunity that, that a lot of our Minnesota units are deployed. So, uh, you know, our ranges are wide open and available, and um, we have quite a few different organizations training now. They'll be seeing helicopters flying around and uh, probably hear some noise. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, and uh, that'll be the big start of our summer. Uh, are there uh, this training that uh, is starting right now? That'll just continue right through the busy season. Uh, I'm also thinking this time of the year we usually see a little smoke. Uh, are you doing some controlled burns as well? We are. Uh, you know, we burned about sixteen thousand acres uh, just to kind of limit the risk of, of wildfires uh, starting on Camp Ripley and things like that as training goes on. Um, we're, we're probably about 90% done 
now. So there will still be some burning, but uh, we're pretty well wrapped up. All right. I don't know that I've heard any uh, large booms here recently, but I would think we will be hearing that soon. You will be. Yep, absolutely. We're, uh, you know, we're starting to transition some of our heavier units in. Uh, and like I said, a lot of out-of-state auto- units, the same thing. They're coming here and doing some uh, lar- larger training on their own. So we will hear some booms here as we get closer and closer to warmer weather. Yeah, and you mentioned the helicopters. I would imagine we'll also start to see some of the big planes come uh, through again this summer. Yes, yeah, our uh, our C-130s uh, coming out of St. Paul, they'll still be training here. And we actually have seen... Uh, a number of planes uh, from different parts of the country, some Marines out of Florida and, and uh, different places like that. All right. Well, it does sound like it'll be a busy summer. Uh, Tony Housie, thank you so much for being with us today to talk about these things coming up. And it looks like uh, we lost our connection with Lieutenant Colonel Charles Rankin, uh, the battalion commander for the 2nd Battalion, 135th Infantry, Infantry. But be sure to say thank you to him and thank you for his service. Thank you, too, Tony. Well, all right. Will do. Thank you. Our guests today again, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Rankin, Battalion Commander for the Second Battalion, One Hundred Thirty Fifth Infantry, and Tony Housie, Camp Ripley Public Affairs. I'm Ken Thomas, and that is today's edition of Community Focus. We remind you our Community Focus programs are available anytime. They're on our website. Just go to one zero six seven wjjy dot com. And they're also on our mobile app. That's free to download, and it's powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.